Jalen Brunson left in the fourth an apparent ankle injury. Josh Hart an apparent knee injury as the Knicks nearly gave back a 28-point bulge, but they finished off the Grizzlies 123-113. Both injuries taking place in the fourth, so Tom Thibodeau asked if he was hoping he'd need to put them back in during the quarter, and things got a little closer. You read in the game. I, you know, I tell you guys that no lead is safe, so... You gotta read the game. Dante DiVincenzo led the charge with 32. OG Ananobi, Quentin Grimes are out again. Knicks have won 16 of 19, though, but they're resembling a mash unit. Meanwhile, return to Brooklyn for Kyrie Irving. Make sure to leave his mark. Irving bumps with Thomas. Out of the left wing, another three. It's good again. Timeout Nets with 4.23 to go. Two threes in a row for Irving, and Dallas a 113-101 lead over the Nets. 36 points for Kyrie and all. Luka Doncic, 35, 18 rebounds, 9 assists. Mavericks bounce the Nets, 119-107. Chris Carino with the call right here on The Fan. 34 degrees, clear skies, Central Park, and that's what's happening. I'm Marco Did you ref- Wait, one second. Uh, uh, yes? Did you refer to the Knicks' lead as a bulge? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. That was ad-libbed for you, if you notice. I pointed at you yeah. as soon as I said it. Well, I mean, I, I just thought maybe, you know, well, I, mean, I had you, my, uh, maybe just you caught a glimpse of my bulge or something. Uh, I don't know. No, like, I, no, no, no. Luckily, no. the desk is kind of. The desk, well. We, we, it blocks. Depends what, on what the desk. Need. Sometimes you, it, no. you know. No, takes more than no, just the desk to cover oh, I, it up. That was an ode to you. You liked scathing. Yes. I noticed you know you, you pay attention. I do. I pay and attention And I gave you a little skinamax. Yes. On the fly. That's not yeah. actually what I wrote. I, I wrote lead. Yeah. And I gave you a little ad lib. Yeah. I gave I you like bulge. It. I like it. The bulge. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't sustain a 27-point bulge. I like it. See, this is why I'm a professional. Yeah, you are. You certainly are. I love it. That's good. A scathing bulge from, what was the name of that movie again? I don't know, something about avocados. <laughs> That's all I remember. Cannibal women from Avocado Island. <laughs> oh, golly. All right. Thank you, Marco. All right. Have a morning. Let's talk about Let's it. Let's talk about it. 337 Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Wifing. Nothing to say, but what a day has your boy been? All right, 405, how we doing on this Wednesday morning? McMonagle here with you in the overnights. I got you for one more hour. And then I will send you, you know, metaphorically, of course, all the way to Las Vegas. And the warm-up show. And Jerry and Al live. Hopefully the weather, I just saw reports it's still raining, I guess. I don't know, terrible weather. What a time to go to Vegas. Cold and rainy, as Jerry reported yesterday. Sucks. But eventually we'll get to the game. The game should be good. The 49ers still cling to a two-and-a-half-point lead, which is starting to scare me. Every day I wake up, every day I wake up and I look at that number. Every day I wake up and I look at that number and I go, how the hell is this still two-and-a-half? Who is betting the Niners? I get that they're the better overall team and the better overall roster, but it's Patrick Mahomes and this Chief team. They win these games, man, and especially the way the Niners have played. And I'm st- like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And now I'm starting to think. Now I'm starting to think that they're fooling us. 
Maybe they're they're they're, maybe the books are smart and they're trapping us into betting Kansas City and the Niners are going to win this stinking game. I don't know. I'm all over the place. But I can't believe that number has stayed two and a half. And I also i have talked about Brock Purdy, who's, you know, I played terribly against Green Bay but still had that last drive, was much better against the Lions. Not great, but much better. And rallied that team back and, and you know, took back a 17-point deficit, a 17-point bulge. From the Lions, took a Dan Campbell bulge and worked it right back and was back uh, to a tie game with two minutes left in the third quarter and ended up winning the game. And as good as they are and as good as he's been, and he's got a little magic to him being Mr. Irrelevant, no doubt about it, but it's hard to overcome the magic that is the Kansas City Chiefs right now. But we'll see. That number's still two and a half. They will go into the game as the favorite at this point, I would imagine. And, you know, Brock Purdy, first time in the Super Bowl, he's forced to answer a lot of strange questions at media night. A lot of different things. People throw different things at you. I heard the morning show Zach Gelb threw uh, Phil Simms' lady glasses at Travis Kelsey. So you have no idea. All kinds of media outlets that, you know, typically do not cover sports will ask you all kinds of questions. What you think of this? What you think of that? And you'll never know what come up. But Brock Purdy had an interesting one. Of all the different things and storylines that guys have been asked about in the course of my time of really following these media weeks, which I guess goes back 16, 17 years, however long I've been here at the fan. This might be the weirdest one. So here's a question that, that Brock Purdy honestly had to answer at media day yesterday. Pictures of you and, and uh, Lee Harvey Oswald circling around the internet right now. People think you two look alike. Did you ever hear that before? I haven't. That's my first time hearing it. Yeah. What do you think about that comparison? Uh, Physical comparison, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. What? There's a picture going around right now with you and the man who killed Kennedy. Apparently, you guys are doppelgangers. What do you think about that comparison? You and the uh, the murder of the president. What do you think? Eh, you know, I don't really see it. No, because I think you're a spitting image, kid. I mean, that's a weird one. You, you look like Lee Harvey Oswald. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, no. One, I'm like 24 years old, so no. I know, uh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald is Gary Oldman to me because I watched JFK, which is an excellent movie. I don't know how accurate it is. I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. We don't have to today. But it's I, I love the movie. Kevin Costner's the man. You know how I feel about my man Kevin. Love me some Kevin. So I love JFK, but that is a weird one. You look just like, have you ever been to Dallas? When you go, obviously he has. When you go, do you check out the grassy knoll? Have you been to the book depository? You look just like him. And you know what? He kind of does. I saw the picture. He does look a little bit like him. But of all the things you get asked, now I'm not saying that's a distraction or anything that's going (laughs) to... make it more difficult for him to play this game. But just, I would never, of all the things you're sitting up there, you could be asked anything. And he's asked, you look like Lee Harvey Oswald. Any comment? (laughs) Yeah, I don't really see it. No. No. I think he looks more like John Harbaugh. Yeah, I I could see that a little bit. He does look a little bit like John Harbaugh. Similar mannerisms to help. Well, I don't, yeah, well, to be fair, we don't know the mannerisms of Lee Harvey Oswald that well. But um, Gary Oldman did a great job. But, yeah, just 
That's a weird one. 877-337-6666. That's what the Super Bowl brings. And really, I mean, you know, I heard them talking about it a little bit. I agree with Evan on some ways. Football's over. Let's be honest. Football's over. This is a show. I was talking about this with my wife today. Sunday is a show. It's a party. You usually don't watch it alone. You watch it with people who don't know anything about football, asking a million questions. They might know Travis Kelsey now. They'll probably know Patrick Mahomes. But they'll ask a bunch of questions, meaningless, stupid questions that have nothing to do with the game or, or you know, that's that's what happens. That's what happens. You'll get, you know, Brock Purdy, you know, oh, so not only so he was the last pick in the draft and he looks like Lee Harvey Oswald. Who's he dating? You watch it for the commercials. It's a it's a, it's not really a uh it's obviously a football game. It's it's it should be in many ways, and I think this year they, it actually is the two best teams. Uh, maybe not. I think Baltimore was probably better, but they had a terrible game plan. But whoever, I mean, you can't argue when it's Reed and Mahomes. So you're talking about two of the best, certainly teams in the sport playing for the championship, and and you know sometimes the games are hit or miss, but ultimately it it doesn't feel like a normal. You don't do it, you know. More people are involved. It's not your typical thing. It's 6 o'clock. Like, I don't know. But hopefully it'll be a good game. And, I'm again, I, I, can't, I can't. Forget all the prop bets. I am just because I don't really care about prop bets. I'm not one for that, I have to admit. I don't care. I, I'll never bet the coin toss. Uh, a toss. The anthem is Coffee dangerously talk. low this year. Oh, is it really? The anthem's quick? It's, it's Bonnie. Ra- oh, no. Um, Is it Bonnie Raitt? Isn't Bonnie Raitt singing the anthem? I thought I read that. Let's give them something to talk about. That's the songbird of my generation. 877-337-6666. But we have, what is it? Like a, I would say dangerously low is like a minute. I think it's Reba McIntyre. Reba right? McIntyre, not Bonnie Raitt. Reba McIntyre. No, so usually last year it was 2.05. Samsonite. I was way off. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Last year the time was 2.05. Uh-huh. And that was Chris, under. That went under with yeah. Chris Stapleton. Fantastic. Fantastic job. I mean, I looked like Nick Sirianni. That was that was one of the first times I got someone sent me. I got quoted in a Yahoo story on Twitter because I said something about there was a tear in my eye watching it. And they did like a thing on people who mentioned that they cried watching Chris Stapleton's performance. And like Yahoo threw me in there is like, you know, Chris McMonagle of WFAN said he cried as well. Yeah, no one cried as much as uh, as Nick Sirianni. But yeah, this year, so that was under, and it was two hundred five. This year, yeah. the line is set at a minute twenty six. A minute now? Nah, that's that is a minute twenty six. They must think she means business. I I don't know. I guess it's is it based can you on sing they, it. Sing it right now. See if you can how long it would take you I if mean, you were not trying to sing it fast. Well, yeah, it would I, take I really you about like, a minute. The and national and a half anthem's a hard thing, the hard song to sing too. I don't want to do that. No, thank you. Listen, if the if the Long Island Ducks or somebody wants to invite me to come sing the national anthem, I'll do it. But I'm not doing it just because you told me to. What do you? No, no, you, you only sing in front of the people who wrote the song. I know that works. <laughs> yeah, I know that was. I'm. That, you want? I've never been more nervous in my life. Totally. And the you most, sing it dry. It's impossible. It was an impossible. And, and, and it was because I knew the spot I was in was impossible. Singing Fallout Boy to Fallout Boy was like the most nerve-wracking. And, of course, he told me he was going to make me do it, so I had to sit there all day waiting for it, knowing it's going to come. Ruined and your thank- day. Yeah, it ruined my day, waiting to sing Fallout. You ever sing Fallout Boy? No, it's like these. It's like scream singing at a high pitch. It's very difficult to sing Fallout Boy. I was driving to MLB Network eating sushi while I was listening to that. Oh, really? I, yeah. I, I'll never forget where I was when I heard that. <laughs> That's funny. And now every time I hear Sugar, we're going down. Yeah. 
I thought I did a decent enough job, and I actually no, had some, good, and I actually like, had some funny lines in there. I thought I did a, a good thing, but I was, I was literally shaking like a first time board up working a Steve Summer show. I was literally like on edge, and it was, it was tough. But yeah, singing it to them. Thankfully, the lead singer wasn't there. It was just the drummer and Pete uh, Wentz. But still, singing Fall Out Boy to Fall Out Boy was not fun. What, what was it that you sang at the? Um... At the kickoff this summer, because that was really good. You sang. Thank you. Uh, um, the the first year I did, they just. No, this year, this past. This year. past year, I did come together. Oh no, this year, past year, I did. Um, Wanted Dead or Alive. Yes, that yes. was that was great. Thank you very much. I did Wanted Dead or Alive the year before. I did come together, and then the Black Crows. Uh, hey, little thing, let me let you. Ca-. Hard to handle, because maybe I'm sure to I don't even know the lyrics. It was the one song. Let's be honest. You want to know why I had to sing that song? Is the one song that Craig's comfortable drumming. So <laughs> Craig, that, Craig that was gonna. Dr- Craig was gonna. I'll never forget it. We, it was the first time I sang on stage. Was the um, the slap a pig uh, pregame for Giants Raiders at Reds across the street from MetLife Stadium. So he told me like that week. Yeah, hey, why don't you come up on stage and sing a song? I'm like okay. So he's like, why don't you do a Beatles song? Pick a Beatles song. I'm like, okay, I'll pick a Beatles song. I'll, we'll get with the band and we'll figure out the song. I'll drum, you'll sing. Great. I get to the show. The the, the leader of the band, the, lead, the, the guy of the band comes up to me. He goes, uh, so, you know, I know Craig told me he wants to you know, do a Beatles song, but, like, he doesn't know the Beatles. So do you think, you know, it's one thing if, if, if you're not good, pretty much the guy intimated, if you're not really great at singing, I can step in and help you. If Craig's trash on the drums, it's a disaster. So let, do you mind if we do a song that I know Craig is comfortable with? He's comfortable with the Black Crows hard to handle. And I'm like, this is 10 minutes before I'm about to sing. I'm, I literally walked back to my car, sat in my car, and like pulled up the lyrics to, the, to that song on my phone and went over it. Like I knew the, the gist of the song. Like I knew the melody a little bit in that part, but I didn't know the lyrics. So I'm in my car trying to learn the lyrics. And then it was, I don't think I did a great job of it. And then they sprung it on me again. I did uh, that. So then that, that summer, the first summer, uh, end of summer thing, I did come together, and then they wanted Craig on drums, and they played that song, and I, I still didn't remember the lyrics. It was terrible. But, yeah, Wanted Dead or Alive this year, I thought I did pretty well. That was great, yes. Thank you very much. I'm a world-class singer, okay? I actually, I, I sang in a Jewish boys' choir growing Is that up. a fact? It's a true story. Look at and you. I, and I sing in front of thousands of people at the wow. weekend Wow. Yep. Really? Yeah. How many... How many uh... Maybe me and you should get together. I can't many... sing anymore. I think it was like you a can't kid's... sing what you you don't lose it. No, I still have like a ear for music, but my voice was like it was a little kid's voice. It was cute. Uh, I don't think it was more like I don't think it was good. Mm. I was twelve. How many kids were in this group that you were singing with that sang in front of me and seven others? J- just you and seven others sang in front Correct. of thousands of people. Where again? Uh, the Beacon Theater on Look Broadway. At you. Wow, impressive. And in Paris and London, but that's yeah. And in pa- like te- and in Israel, Paris, yeah, Texas? We, we, no, Paris. France? Paris, France. We traveled a little. Look at you. Yeah. Touring the country with a... <laughs> well, that's the world. With a boy band. Touring, touring the world with a boy band. That is the world. Thanks. Look at you. I'm impressed. So, yeah, we got to get, get together. Maybe me and you could both... Because I'm telling you right, maybe you can be Kanicki. I also played the drums, because, but I, I didn't practice enough. So I'm I not see. But like I always say, when people ask me, like, if do you really think you're a good singer? I'm like, I'm not bad. Like, what, what, like, what do you mean good? I'm like... I could go on a celebrity cruise ship tomorrow and be the best Danny Zuko in a Grease performance on a cruise ship. You've, you know, your Aunt Millie and Uncle Ted will leave that you know matinee showing going, that Danny Zuko was a little chubby, but he was good. No, but I could carry a tune, but I don't have a good voice. You could carry a tune and you have a good voice. Like, 
that's the difference. Oh, that is that's what separates me from 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 the best. I mean, yeah. you you toured the world. You you sang in I was France. a little kid. What is that? Still, at some point, you had a good voice. They don't just say, "Hey, you know, you can hit the notes, but you sound like crap." Let's put you up on stage in and you know in in Paris. Apparently, you haven't heard a lot of Jewish music. <laughs> I, I I guess not. That's that's a fault of mine, though. Let's get back to the calls. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six. 66. Mike in Manhattan. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chris. What's happening, bro? What's up, man? How are you? I'm all right. Listen, you gotta, the Yankees fans got to be static going into the season. You have a beast in pinstripes in this contract year. And if Staten wakes up and he bounces back, no way, no doubt in my mind, they, don't win, they win 90 to 95 games. If Judge was healthy last year, or the, uh, I missed you that. Oh, if, of course. Judge is great. That's besides Judge point. is the best hitter in baseball, in my opinion, yes. Oh, but without a doubt, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. But with Stanton, with Stanton, if Stanton, Stanton bounces back, yeah. and with um, Soto, yeah. easy, easy 90 to 95 games. There, right? I, I, I don't disagree with you. The Yankees are going to win. As long as everyone stays healthy, the Yankees are going to win 95. 100%. Games. Yep. And I don't know about a static. I wanted to go into the offseason a static. I'm not a static. I'm relatively pleased. And I do think they're good enough. I think they're better than last year. I think the offense will be much better than last year. And I think they're a, a damn good team that's going to battle for the division, will absolutely be a playoff team. And, you know, that lineup in the playoffs, if if Rodon or if they add a secondary pitcher, um, another top-of-the-rotation kind of guy at the trade deadline or here left in the offseason, there is still time and there are still guys available both via trade and free agency. So if they add a, a, a clear number two, and, you know, Judge and Soto are healthy. You get them in the playoffs, I'll take my chances. Like, that, that's that's what every team does. They are a World Series contender. So I feel much better than I did about the team at the end of last year. They've improved marketably. They needed left-handed hitters. They got Verdugo, who is an above-average left-handed hitter, in my opinion, and a contact hitter. And then they got one of, if not the best left-handed hitter in the sport, who's 25 years old. He's younger than the great young players of the Baltimore Orioles. And he's been around for six years. Like, they got a world-class Hall of Fame thumper left-handed with the best eye and strike zone in baseball to go along with Judge. I feel very good, but I'm not a static. I want it to be a static. I want it to be through the roof. I'm not through the roof. I'm hitting the roof. I'm just under the roof. Pat in the Bronx. What's up, Pat? Okay, Chris, uh, good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you, Patrick. What's going on, man? Well, let's see. Uh, just quick, I'm not going to uh, go to music again today, but just a quick question. Yes. Do, do you like Billy Joel's new single? And do you think you know what? I actually do like Billy Joel's new song. I don't know. I mean, I like it a little. I mean, first of all, he sounds great. That's the first thing. He still sings, and he sounds. He still sings great. He sounds great. Um, it's it sounds like a Billy Joel song. It's not terrific, but it's it's very good, and it's good enough where I wish he would do more than once every seventeen or thirty years, because I think it's actually a pretty good song. But it's it's you know it's okay. I, I definitely enjoy it. Is it possible that he's been writing songs all along I and he's going to drop some more? Uh, no, now I actually don't think he completely wrote the song by himself. I think he was approached. I think I read the, a story that he was approached. There's a couple of songwriters on it. It's not just straight up. Billy came up with a song. Let's release it. Like he went into a project where they had an idea for a song for him, some guys he knew or something, and he came in and was a collab, you know, collaborated on it. But it's not just like Billy Joel wrote this song and they released it. It was kind of, he was uh, enticed to join a project to come up with this song. So well, I guess the time will tell. Regarding the Mets. And I, so I do just want to say one thing musically I didn't get a chance to say today is 
uh, February 7th, the uh, now what's... 60th anniversary, I'm trying to, 74, 84, 94, 2004, 2014, yes, the 60th anniversary of the Beatles touching down uh, in New York and starting Beatlemania, February yeah. 7th, 1964. Famous scene of them coming down the, uh, the yep. runway. Um, regarding the Mets, I'm, I'm looking at them now. I, do, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the Mets ticket office and see what the sales are like. Are they going in seriously? With the top four spots in the lineup and nothing else, there's no one to protect Alonzo. That's why he was flailing at everything. Uh, there's, there's no. I mean, I, I don't consider the catcher a sure thing. They found a hole in his swing at the end of last year. Are we trusting <clears throat> well, the Angels and Beatty? Yes, they are. Joey Wendell. This ridiculous. Yes, they have are. to do something. I, I don't disagree with you. They need another bat now. Thankfully, at least there seems like a pulse from them where there's been uh, some. You know, there's been a report there in contact with J.D. Martinez. I agree with you. They desperately need to do something. I like. I, I think their bullpen's pretty good, especially with Edwin Diaz coming back. Uh, I like Sanga. I think Severino could have a bounce back. Quintana, you know, proved to be a good middle of a rotation, somewhat reliable pitcher. But the rotation's completely a question mark. They don't really have an ace in my estimation. Um, and the lineup... I don't know if I don't know if Francisco Alvarez necessarily found a hole in his swing. He's a young catcher who caught a lot, and I think he got tired at the end of the season. And you saw him kind of go through what a lot of catchers go through. I still think he's a stud. I still think he's a great player. But you're right. I mean, they are relying. You know, McNeil's kind of up and down, and you're hoping after last year's kind of down, he can he can bounce back and have another year where he needs. If 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 he's not hitting three fifteen, he's not really that much of a useful player. That's the problem with Jeff McNeil. He needs he needs to be a high high batting average guy. He, he if he hits two fifty, he's not much of a player. He's, he can play multiple positions defensively. None of them that good. But the point is, they are relying right now. They're going into the year saying we're going to give Beatty and we are going to give the Entos five hundred six hundred at bats, and we're going to find out who they are. I mean, that's kind of where they. That's kind of what's going on here. And, you know, Beatty has certainly gone through struggles. Well, he for you know, you like the swing when he first came up, he had some promise. He was one of the he was the top third base prospect in all of baseball, but you haven't seen enough out of him. Every time he goes down to triple A, he kills it, but at the major league level, and eh, same thing with Vientos. I think I've seen a little bit more out of Beatty than Vientos, but they are without as of right now, those guys are getting a ton of at bats and are going to be heavily relied upon and are going to tell the story of what the New York Mets are this year. But here's the problem. I'm not so sure that ownership and front and the front office and Stearns give a damn about this year. And that's what pisses me off. I think they're just, okay, well, whatever happens this year, we listen, we think we have a pretty good team, and if things go right, we should be in the mix. And if we're in the mix, maybe we'll add at the trade deadline if it's not too crazy, and maybe get another bat or something if we decide we need it. And because, hey, if we're close enough to the playoffs, you want to get in because I guess you never know. But it doesn't seem like they have any interest in re- – this is a find-out year. This is Stearns dipping his toes in the Mets' water and finding out how it feels. That's what it is. That's what it feels like. It feels like, hey, let me let me just take let me just take stock of what this organization looks like, feels like. Let me have a year of, of getting to know the, the inner workings. Let me get to know the farm system. Let me get to know what we have here. Let's get an idea of on a couple of the young kids, so whether or not I know in free agency next year or however, like, do I need a third baseman next year? Do I need a DH next year? Or do I have some answers here? Let's find out what that can be. Like, this is a trial run. 
the trial run. And maybe they get lucky in that trial run, but ultimately that's what it is. And I'm sorry if I'm a Mets fan and I have the richest owner in baseball, I thought I was done with trial runs. Seeing how the season goes and then maybe getting into it with with the trade deadline, that's how the Wilpons ran their show. I thought we were done with that. Now, I'm not saying, you know, next year, hopefully they'll be back to being who they should be. But this year, seems like they don't want to be. And I find it extremely frustrating. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you on the fan. Come back, take your phone calls all the way to 5 o'clock at the warm-up show live from Las Vegas, Nevada, where Rami probably sang live in front of a large studio audience. 877-337-6666. All right, 4.32. I got you for another half hour. McMonagle here with you on the overnights. 5 o'clock comes, and so will the warm-up show, live from Las Vegas, as they get you ready for the Super Bowl on Sunday. 877-337-6666. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the calls. We opened up with the, the Knicks and the Brunson injury and how, thankfully, you know, despite uh, tweaking his ankle there, it sounds like it's not going to be a major injury. Uh, he was able to walk off the floor on his own accord, and hopefully it's not a big deal. But what it does do is em- emphasize, what, and, and what we've seen, I think, in the fourth quarter against the Laker game and now with the injury to Brunson and the need for Brunson to still be on the court. Now, he didn't play a ton of minutes in this game. It's not the best example. It's not like he was out there for 45 minutes and this finally happened at the end. But the idea that a 27-point game with him off the court is not a sure thing. And the coach feels like he needs to go back to him, even to secure a victory over the lousy Memphis Grizzlies, is a problem. The Knicks have to have someone who can step in and make this offense work a little bit without Brunson on the floor. So at this, as the trade deadline approaches tomorrow, the Knicks have to go out there and figure something out and bring someone in, whether Brogdon or, you know, you know the names we've been talking about forever. It doesn't have to be Murray in Atlanta. It doesn't have to be, you know, a big-time superstar player. Clearly, I think that's kind of off the table. But it's got to be someone to bring some depth to this team and not even so much. I'm not even worried about the bigs, to be honest with you. Achua's done a great job. Hartenstein has done an incredible job. Even Sims, when he comes in, like I, I feel okay about where they are. They got, you know, they got options there. For me, they need that guy to replace quickly as an instant offense, get his own shot, facilitate the offense, and not feel like without Brunson, they have no chance to either hold a lead or keep a game close. And that's what it feels like right now. You know, in the post game, Tibbs is talking about it. You know, got to have a feel for the game. No lead safe. You know, they got to have a, a somewhat of a safe lead or at least a feeling of uh, an offense capable of holding on to a lead without Brunson on the floor all the time. So it's very important for the Knicks. I think there was some debate on whether or not a move should be made, but I think there is no question what we've seen. I know it's a winning streak. They've played really well. I love this team. They deserve the best opportunity to go out there and compete for a championship and compete to get back to an Eastern Conference championship at the bare minimum. And if they want to do that, they need they need depth on this team at the bare minimum. They need someone who can come in, run that offense, and keep Brunson off the floor and not have to run him into the ground. Because I understand you could tweak an ankle at any point, a minute into the game, five minutes into the game, it doesn't, you know. But 
fatigue sets in and suddenly that step isn't as sure. Like that, th- this is all part of fatigue. And I don't want to run him into the ground heading into a playoff series where you're going to need him. And you get into a seven-game series, can't play him every minute of every game. So there's some depth, much-needed depth, that needs to be acquired. And right now I trust Rose and Tibbs as much as any team in this city right now or certainly any Nick team in forever to go out there and make the right move. That that Ananobi trade and how it went down and how it instantly impacted the team to turn them into something completely different. And a team that's now went on this incredible run, 16 out of 19, like it happened instantly. And I think the instant nature of that trade makes me feel a lot better that they know exactly what they need. They know exactly how to the 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 exact type player that would best suit them and then exactly how to coach it up. Like it it transformed who they were immediately. And hopefully he comes back soon. He's missed five games now. He was in warm-ups and shoot-around the day of the first game he missed, and now it's been another four games. And it's, when are you going to get back at Anobi? You already know you know, Randall's going to be gone for a while. I'm assuming Brunson's going to miss at least one game, even though hopefully it's not a severe ankle injury. I mean, they're going through it right now. Hart had a knee injury. They, I was joking. They celebrated Mike Breen and Clyde Frazier for 25 years, and, and Bravo just, you know, it's not quite – I mean, for I, I wouldn't think Ron Keith and Gary – are really, in my mind, the best, the best play-by-play and best broadcast probably in all of baseball. That's how good they are. But Breen and, you know, Breen and Clyde are phenomenal and uh, well-deserved. And the two guys who gave them that jersey had that moment at the start of the game where they run up and give, didn't finish the game. They got a knee injury and an ankle injury. I mean, they're just full, dropping like flies at the garden. They need to add some depth. 877-337-66. 66, Maury and Belmore. What's up, Maury? Tonight is your night, bro. Tonight is your night, bro. All right, just to stick with the Knicks, I, Curry would be great with him and DiVincenzo. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I know, I know, but just think of that. That would be your offense that you need. And it's not fair that Tibbs can't rely on anyone else. So we need somebody. I, I don't agree. know who it's going to be, like you said, but somebody's got to help this team. So that's number one. We'll move on, but... I don't want Brunson to hurt himself. I need the guy to be healthy. If he doesn't have to play a full all-star game, let him chill. That's what I say. Enjoy the festivities. Yeah, I mean, and I said that too. Like, you know, I'm not saying he shouldn't play in the game. It depends on how the injury is. But I don't – like, there was a sentiment of, oh, my God, can you imagine if he misses that game? Like, He's he's an all-star. I don't think – I mean, I'm sure he wants to play in the game, but I don't think playing in the game means as much as just being acknowledged and being – put on the team. I mean, if he has to miss the game with a little bit of an ankle soreness or barely play, then he barely plays. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, and I'm, I want the Yanks to do That's one easy more for me to say uh, that, one I mean. more. I want the Yanks to do one more starting pitcher and a, a couple of bullpen arms if they could before the season starts. And then the Brock Purdy, the crazy questions. I mean, at least no one said you got a Purdy mouse. And then I had to sing to Heavy D once in front of Heavy D. Remember that guy? Now that we found love, what are we going to do with yeah, it? Yeah, I was crazy enough to go up to him and, uh, one, two, what you going to do? Yeah, it was a great night. It was an after Well, I mean, that's not really, I mean, I, that's not really singing. I suppose I it is a little bit. You. but um, and, and you weren't forced to do it. I was forced. I had no choice. Yeah, that was pressure. You did a great job, though, Chris. You did well, great. And the line. One more thing on the line. I think for some reason, and I hate betting against this this quarterback against yeah. City. For some reason, I think the 49ers are going to win 31-30. 31-30. That's all right. I cover. I mean, I don't get the money line that I put down, but that's okay. I'll take it. Um, 
I'm, I don't know what it is. I have to admit, and by no means am I, I'm not Nick Costos. I don't follow these lines, you know, religiously. I, I'm certainly not trying to make it seem like I know everything about it, but I do it enough where I'm, I'm just surprised. I thought when that number first hit, I went right after the, the game when San Francisco, as soon as San Francisco beat the nine, uh, the Lions, as soon as that, that final whistle blew, I went to FanDuel and the line was Kansas City plus two and a half, and I jumped all over it. I jumped on them at the money line at plus 108, which I got, you know, I could have got better odds throughout the, the week on that, amazingly enough. But I jumped on money line, I jumped on two and a half, and I thought for sure, and it did initially in the next day or two, it was down to one. But it's been back up to two and a half, and it's been sitting here. It's been sitting at two and a half for three days, three, four days, easy, probably even maybe even more than that. Oh, uh, maybe a full week at this point. I, I just, it's making me nervous because I really think it's very difficult to bet against Kansas City. And I would think the betting public, right? And all the people who aren't going to bet on this, excuse me, and all the people who don't normally bet who will dip their toes in for pop prop picks and bet the game and, you know, have a little fun on the Super Bowl. You know, the handful of people who may do that, not just pick up boxes, which is another, I'm sure, very popular thing for randoms. But, you know, I would think, especially Mahomes, Kelsey, the Taylor Swift story, all of that, I would think a lot of people are going to be on. They, they watch the Super Bowl every year. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is back in the Super Bowl. People who don't know anything about Brock Purdy and the 49ers, oh, Mahomes is back in the Super Bowl. Like, I am shocked that, uh, you know, Joe Public has not moved this line, which makes me think smart money is on the Niners because I'm sure I'm sure the average Joe is betting on Kansas City. So I would think public money's on Kansas City makes me think smart money is on the 49ers. It's scaring me. It's making me nervous. I mean ultimately I would love to see the 49ers win, but I I, I thought I was so smart catching that number early. I was like, you know, <laughs> got ahead of this one. Finally was smart enough to go check the line early. <laughs> What a dope I am. 877-337-6666. I see you guys all calling. Quick, 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 quick break. Come back with rapid fire style calls right up until warm-up show at 5 o'clock. McMonagle here with you until 5 a.m. right here on The Fan. I know Jerry and Al are, uh, are listening. Tell them. Go find someone. I could, I could, I could, I could work the club circuit in Vegas. That's right. We're going down, down. No, I can't do it without the music. Then it's you. I, I'm revealed. <laughs> they can't be revealed like that. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Okay. Let's get to the calls. As many as we can take, as fast as we can take them. That's how it works. For the rapid-fire section 
of our program. Kevin in Hartford. What's up, Kev? Hey, Chris, what's going on? So, rapid fire. Yes. We're, we understand that that $80 million for a contract per year is not fantasy anymore. So, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Juan Soto is going to be 26. Yes. Offer him five years, $400 million, which if he's not happy after five years, he still has a shot if he's healthy and plays well to get another big contract at age 31. Or you offer him 10 for 800 with an opt-out after five. Have no. a good day. Thank you, buddy. You're nuts, but I love you. Thanks for calling. That's a bit much. That's a bit much. Give him opt-outs. You don't have to give him five years for $400 million. He's going to get $500 million 15 years, like tw- 13 years. That's what he's going to get. He's going to get five, four fifty, somewhere around there for 13 years. That's what he's, I don't think he's going to make $80 million per year. I, I mean, unless he wants to take one of those you know, contracts where it's not really that much money and it's prolonged over the next 40 years, and he's young enough to do it, so we'll see. Maybe he gets that kind of Otani contract where it's somewhere upwards of six, $700 million, but it's paid out over the next you know, half a century, maybe. But I, I'm thinking it's more of just the likes of 40 plus, you know, right around $40 million a year for 13 years. Dan in Lafay- uh, Lafayette, what's up, Dan? Talk to us, Mr. McMonicue. Let's talk Yankees tonight. Because <laughs> we're all in the mood for some baseball. Yes. And you got us feeling all right. Look at you. Thank you, Dan. That's the kind of pickup I needed at 4.50 in the morning. I got Thank another you. line if you want it. Uh, no, I think we're good. Thank you, Dan. Don't it's ruin right, it. Man. Sometimes less is more. You know, don't ruin it. I'm, I'm feeling good about it now. Who knows how the next line goes. And next next thing you know, it's suddenly I don't leave here feeling as good about, you know, you feeling that I'm Piano Man. I like it right now. It, so let's just go. It's, it's good, bro. It's good. All right. Take your chance. Go ahead. Now judges hitting homers. And Cole is throwing strike three. I sure hope they sign Soto when he hits free agency. Uh, yeah, not bad. You're Have right. a good one. You got it. You, you you went out there. You stepped on the. Uh, you went over there on the limb and you nailed it. Hundred percent correct. Good job. Oh, you hung up. That's it. Okay, I'm deal with. I'm good with that. Tim and Elizabeth, what's up, Tim? Yes, sir. I just want to uh, appreciate you. Uh, your uh, loyalty in old school. Thank you. I want to late. Okay. Thank you, my man. No problem. Wanted to let you know about one of Dead or Alive. Uh, I was actually in the 80s video. Were you? color black, white, in the front row. How about that? I vaguely, yeah. I vaguely remember that video. Yeah, where they're like, uh, they, they mix it in and the concert stuff's done in black and white. Yeah, I'm, yeah, next, yeah. To a, yeah, I'm next to a, a girl. Um, she's to my right, a blonde. I'm rocking with my head up. And then after that, it's a fade uh, in a black and white. How many best how, time of my life? How, I'm sure it was. How many people have you showed that video to? How many? How many people have you said, "Look at me, I'm in the uh, wanted dead or alive" video? I, I tell everybody <laughs> as much as I can, as far as you know, see if they're really um, into it. And I'm a big yeah, rock and roller, I'm, I'm, a big Southern rock and roller. Too. There you go. I'm sure. I'm sure it comes up in job interviews, Tim. I have no doubt. I had a buddy, a real, real quick side story. I know it's rapid fire. We'll get to it. Real, and I didn't get a chance to give you the thoughts from the road. We got five hours tomorrow night. I'll do that. Uh, thoughts from the road. I'll give you something uh, tomorrow night. Um, but a real quick story, job interview, reminded me of a very funny story. My buddy goes on a job interview, like, I don't know, five, five to ten years ago. Um, and, you know, it's going well, whatever. And all of a sudden they ask him about his professional wrestling career. And he's like, What? Like, well, I see here you were a wrestler. 
And he's like, I've never wrestled in my life. No, I'm not a wrestler. It's okay. We don't look down on it. We're just curious about your wrestling. No, I'm not knocking wrestling. I've just never been one. I've never wrestled. I'm not a wrestler. I, well, I mean, it says here, you know, in our research, we found that you are a professional wrestler and you held the tag team title. And he's like, what are you talking about? I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a wrestler. And apparently it kind of ruined the entire job interview. Ended up not getting the job. I don't know if that's the sole reason. But apparently it turned this whole job interview around for the worse that he had some sort of wrestling career online. When we were in high school, there was a kid on the football team who was obsessed with the wrestling video game. Like whatever WCW or WWE wrestling game there was at the time. And he created all of us as characters on the football team and would have these like imaginary wrestling matches with us. And then he would like send us the results in emails about, oh, this, you know, McMonagle and Lee, my buddy Mike, you guys won the Intercontinental Championship. And this, like, it was, it was just like his thing. And we all dismissed it and whatever. And I guess he put some of the results online and it came up in a buddy's the job interview search. They Googled him and it came up that Christian was, my buddy Christian was the, the, the tag team champion of 2000. Uh, you know, and and they're asking him about it in the job interview, and he has no idea what he's talking about until he goes home and Google's himself, and he realizes this stupid thing that a, that one of our one of the our team, football teammates did in in 2000 is somehow still online, and he said, "I'm like, I'm 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 like getting mad at these people. I'm like, I'm not a wrestler. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I don't know why that story always cracks me up. Eddie in Rockland. Hello, Eddie." Hey, Chrissy, what's happening? What's man? up, buddy? How are you? All right. Now, isn't when you when you're talking, uh, you know more about betting than I do. I was never a big uh, sports better. Only the little laundry sheets growing up. Okay. In school, but uh, isn't it when the odds are they just the casinos or the uh, Vegas is just trying to get fifty percent of the bets on one side and the other, and that's what it's, the odds. It's not exactly that simple, but yeah, on some level, yes. They, they, if they, if they, well, feel, their money is the te- if they feel extended the on, if they, fig. yes, if they feel extended on one side, they'll move the line. Yes, that's pretty much okay. They, so, but that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is how is the money even? Because I would think the average better. Is how are you betting against Kansas City right now? Well, the, the KC way- money didn't come in. I bet you when this game goes off, KC's going to be favored by about a point and a half. I mean, we'll see. You might be right. I'm just, I, I would think people have already bet it, but I mean, at this point, uh, it's gone on long enough, Eddie, where I'm, I'm thinking it's not going to move. Uh, but you're right. I don't remember. I don't, you know, I'm trying to think going back to if Super Bowl odds lines moved differently. Like, if this was just a playoff game, I wouldn't expect the line to move that much come game time. Super Bowl, you might be right, considering how many different people would just show up to a Super Bowl party and go, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, you bet. Okay, yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know, but if you tell me, I'll throw, throw 20 bucks on it. I'm in. You know, that's so that, especially now that everybody has it on their phones, that might be plausible. The idea that's at a Super Bowl party, suddenly everyone gets in and says, hey, do you guys want to chip in for a bet? We'll bet on Kansas City or something. So you're right. The, the numbers might really extend uh, prior to the game and the line might go off differently. That's plausible. But I would have thought them would have moved already. So, but you might be right. The smart, the smart money, the uh, you know, the big time money, and the and the smart money, and all the professional betters might already have their bets in, and have it on San Francisco. And more of the average Joe, more of the public money will come in as we get closer to game time. It's plausible. Uh, Mike and Tribeca, what's up, Mike? How are you, Chris? That's uh, just to go quick on that same conversation. Yeah. What, what I what I discovered was. 
The reason it's not going KC now minus one, which I also thought would happen by now. Yeah, I, I also for sure. locked, I locked it in the same day right after the game. I went with KC is because the future props that started like in the middle of the season. There is a gigantic on, wager on on, on Kansas San City. Fran winning the Super Bowl. Oh, San Fran winning the Super Bowl. Correct. So because of that. That's why Vegas is not going where you and I both think alike by now. Oh, so they want thought, they want money on Kansas City to even out the they have, they have all this money on San Fran. That's what I'm hearing from huh. the source in Vegas. Yes, it kind of makes sense. That yeah, does make I sense. I thought too by now, KC being you know minus yeah. one or so. No, that does make sense. That a lot of I mean, I guess I'm I, I guess I'm surprised the 49ers would have that much more on future bets than Kansas City. That seems to be in it every year. I understand there. Well, Arguably the best roster and clearly the best if, roster if in the NFL. You remember during the middle of the season they couldn't even catch a ball, and I think that's what what happened. Yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of people were down on them, uh, and obviously it's a different Kansas City team now, as we both know. No, absolutely, that's a good point though. You might be right. You, you, in fact, you probably are. If if you that that makes sense to me, that all this money on on San Fran was built earlier in the year, and they're you know at good odds, obviously, and so they don't want to be you know killed if San Francisco wins the game. So they're trying to take money on Kansas City and enticing you to take money on Kansas City at two and a half. But it did move down to one and a half immediately, though. Like if it never moved, I feel like that would help that argument. But the idea that it did go down to one at one point, and now it's back up. I don't know how I feel about that, but I, I'll be the first to tell you. I'm not smart enough to either punch holes in that argument or to solidify it, but it makes sense. It does make sense that if there's a ton of money on the line, if they're holding all this money at big-time odds for, for San Francisco to win the Super Bowl, they want money on Kansas City to even out. That makes sense. And we'll see if it moves. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I mean, I think right now we'll get into more of the game. We still have two more days. I got five hours starting at midnight tomorrow for a five-hour midnight ride. And then obviously the Friday, uh, the last football Friday of the year to get more into the game. But it's impossible. I just I find it impossible. I, I went against them twice. And I was, I was on, I've been on San Francisco every game. And I've been against Kansas City every game. And I just I can't imagine how that trend continues. I don't know how you go against Kansas City right now. I just don't know how you do it. I feel like you're an idiot. It's one th- like I'd rather lose betting on Patrick Mahomes than lose betting against him. And I've done it twice already. And it just feels like how stupid. Like you won't feel as stupid. Like if you bet on Kansas City and they lose, you won't feel as stupid than if you bet on San Francisco and Kansas City wins another Super Bowl. Like you'll feel stupid. Especially the way San Francisco has played compared to the way Kansas City has played here. You'll just feel dumb. And quite honestly, I think we'll get into it as I said we get closer. Spags is really starting to weigh on my mind on how good he is. And to give him against an offense that struggled here a little bit. To give Spags, you know, a full two weeks to game plan against the quarterback who is Mr. Irrelevant and played terribly against Green Bay. To go along with having Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes on offense? Starting to think it's a combination that's not going to be beat. But we'll get to it. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. Rami, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Tomorrow or? Nope. That's it. I was going to make him sing, everybody. But now it's not going to happen. Jerry and Al next. I'll catch you tomorrow at midnight right here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.